Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Friday morning to each and every one of you from our Chatterbox Studios in downtown Hamilton, O-H-I-O. We welcome you to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. You can find us streaming on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We ask you to like the program if you like it. If you don't like it, don't like it. We stream also on Facebook, the Chatterbox Sports page, and you can find us in podcast form. Just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Look, there's a reason why they call it March Madness, right? Two of the four 16, sweet 16 games last night were simply maddening. Incredible. Exciting. And the ending's mind-boggling. We start with a game everyone was talking about. Would it live up to the billing? Now, look, you may not be a Mick Cronin guy, but you had to feel for the guy before the game even tipped off. In fact, you go back two weeks ago, right? They lost the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year in Jalen Clark. Then they lose another starter in their second-round win to a shoulder injury. The two had combined this season for 21 points and 14 rebounds per game. Now think about that for a second. 21 points, 14 rebounds per game. Neither one playing last night. That's a lot. Yet, it didn't seem to matter at all in the first half. The Bruins raced out to a 13-point lead. They were in total command. But then came the second stanza, and then came the Zags. This Drew Timmy guy. Oh, this dude's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And people, oh, well, what's he going to do in the pros? I don't care what he does in the pros. This guy's a gamer, and he's unbelievable. So with a minute left, UCLA's down by 10. Down by 10. And you're thinking they're done. Somehow they tie the game. But as was the case in the Final Four just two years ago, this is what happened to UCLA. Not at all, because you've also dominated the offensive glass. Chances are you'll get more than one opportunity. Walker for the lead. Heartbreaking. If you were rooting for UCLA, great if you were rooting for Gonzaga. At the buzzer, my son told me that's the same play that Villanova ran when they hit that three. You run off the two guard, the point guard, you let the other guy shoot it for three. All right, 79-76, what a game. Next up for Gonzaga is UConn. Holy Moses. You pointed it out yesterday, Reed Mouse. Mm -hmm. Reed, Casey McAllister, good morning, men. Good morning, morning Tom. Tom. You were the one, Reed, pointed it out yesterday about UConn. You said watch out. I, besides a two-and-a-half-week stretch, three-week stretch, about no one in the country has played better than UConn this season. They were unbelievable yesterday. I mean, that looked like the UConn teams of old under Jim Calhoun. They just demolished Arkansas. 88-65. So Gonzaga and UConn with a trip to the Final Four on the line. Tip-off tomorrow night, 8:49 p. In the East bracket, another thriller. If you watch this one, this was as good as it gets. Number three seed Kansas State. 
against seven seed Michigan State. New York City native, grew up just up the road in Harlem. Marquise Noel broke the NCAA tournament record. 19 assists. He also added 20 points as Kansas State beats Michigan State 98-93 in overtime. Take a look at some of the highlights from this one. Just a couple of plays. Noel putting the finishing touches. Nobody from Michigan State wanted to shoot the three. I can't believe Hauser passed up the three. And then this, Noel on the breakaway. Reverse layup. Celebration on. And how about this play? Did you see this? He's acting like he's talking to his coach. Right? And then, whoop, look out. Aliyup, bam. That's as, that's as great a replay as you'll ever see, the camera work. Fantastic. Fantastic is right. Kansas State will now face Cinderella. There are two of them left. Florida Atlantic. That squad has lost three games all year. And they beat Tennessee 62-55. As exciting as the Michigan State and UCLA-Gonzaga game, as those were, you talk about, <laughs> it was unwatchable, that Tennessee offense. Tom, I mean, I know it's plagued them all year long, and I know their best player was hurt out for the year with the ACL injury. But that was painful to watch. Tom, we've been saying this all year long. Tennessee can't put the ball oh in the hoop. Oh, my God. Can't do it, it was pretty miserable. And, you know, Rick Barnes has had a phenomenal coaching career. Wherever he's been, we talked about it yesterday. But there are Tennessee fans that are just irate at what's going on there. All the losses they've had as a top-four seed over the last eight years, uh, and they lose to a nine-seed yesterday. Now, again, you have to be fair about this thing, okay? We've talked about Xavier with Fremantle being out. We talked about UCLA and their two guys not playing last night you do have to consider that Tennessee's best player was lost for the year to a knee injury. But, I mean, good Lord. Brutal. The game tomorrow night, FAU and Kansas State tip off 6-0-9. Tonight, four more games on the slate. And, by the way, just let me say for the record before we even rehash the picks from last night, we can look in the mirror around here on Off the Bench. And as Clint Eastwood once said, as Dirty Harry, he once said, a man's got to know his limitations. And that's why I'm not a gambler. <laughs> oh, and four. Yes. So whoever I pick today, bet the other way. <laughs> Yikes. All right? Oof. We got the Xavier Musketeers and the Texas Longhorns tonight in the Midwest region. That's a 3v2 matchup. Tip-off at 945. The winner faces the winner of top seed Houston against fifth seed Miami. In the South region, the number one seed Alabama Crimson Tide faces San Diego State. And then the other Cinderella, I mean the ultimate Cinderella, a 15 seed in Princeton locks up with Creighton. Paul Fritchner is in Kansas City with the Musketeers, and he will join us later in the program. Speaking of, real quick, before we get off basketball, we're going to spend a lot of time, obviously, on the basketball. Did you see the comments made by Nick Saban yesterday? 
I did not. Okay, so Nick Saban has a player that he just suspended, okay? Now, in the press conference, Saban used the line, which was used by Coach Oates, the basketball coach at Alabama, where Saban says there's no such thing as being at the wrong place at the wrong time. We all have decisions to make. There's no such thing. So he suspended his player for an entirely different set of circumstances. Now, once those words were uttered, Saban happened to be with the basketball team later when they were practicing yesterday, and he went to the practice, right? And all of this going back to Oates using that comment in reference to Brandon Miller and the gun that wound up he delivers to somebody who shoots a young woman and kills her. We know the story. When Saban is asked about it, he says, I have never one time in my life watched a basketball coach's press conference. Never one time. He said, so that is straight coincidence if I use the same words as Coach Oates. And Coach Oates says he wasn't bothered by it. He said, Coach Saban is a big supporter of our program. In fact, Brandon Miller, okay, they had Saban down there close to the court yesterday for their workout. And Brandon Miller said he couldn't believe that he was within, you know, an arm's length as they're doing their drills and he's running by Saban, of Nick Saban. So, are you believing that? There's, there's two lies there. One, <laughs> one is that Saban has never, is just completely oblivious to what Nate Oates said earlier this year. There's no way that Nick Saban doesn't know what Nate Oates said. And secondly, Nate Oates saying he wasn't bothered at all by the comments. Now, I don't think Saban was making a jab at Nate Oates, but certainly Nate Oates did not like that Saban rehashed that comment that was earlier, you know, brought so much controversy. You are spot on. I mean, there is no way. I mean, come on. Right. I love Nick Saban, but come on. I mean, it's Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Oh, here we go, Sir Boy Wonder jumping in. Don't you dare bet X or Miami, Tom. Well, guess what? We're going to reveal those picks coming up shortly. And my main man, Sir Boy Wonder, you may not like my picks. <laughs> we just did them before we went on the air a short while ago. By the way, I need to jump on the chat here because uh, I want to see what everybody has to say today. Because we always appreciate everybody who jumps in on the program on a regular basis. Seth is here. Everett's here. Boom shakalaka. He says his money is not on a game. It's on Paul being tired and perhaps hungover. I said it's a fair bet. You do? Oh, yeah. I mean, why not? Tip off. He's going to go to both games tonight, right? right. You don't have to be there until probably 4 or 5 in the afternoon. Right? And most, right. Im and most importantly, he didn't give it up for Lent. So, he can't. That's exactly right. I'm getting ready to get my four-day break coming up, starting tomorrow. They're trying to cancel. I'm told by the Catholics. I'm told by the – and I was told by this by a minister who joins us all the time here. Uh, when we had our buffalo wings and rings, Tom, God knows what's in your heart. I've gone now 30-something days, right, mm -hmm. uh, with no alcohol. And I will go another – 11 days upon returning from spring break with our son, which begins tomorrow. And I'm told the Catholics have a day of feast, right? 
Correct. Lent runs 46 days, but Jesus was tempted by Satan for 40 days. Right. I got the 40 plus. In fact, I've got 46 covered. And this little sliver, uh, well, I tell you, I, I'm still wrestling with it. I'm wrestling with it. We're sold, Tom. You don't have to justify. Laura up says, Tom, you look like a man who is missing nothing. I have to tell you. Um, Laura up, you couldn't be more wrong. Couldn't be more wrong. That's your father. Yeah. yeah. In baseball, the Reds were clobbered by Seattle yesterday, 17 to 6. After the top three starters in the rotation, Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, they've all looked great. Questions continue to abound about the fourth and fifth starters. Now, Brandon Williamson's in that mix. In two innings, allows nine runs yesterday. Joey Votto, meanwhile, appears to be rounding into game shape. I'd bet money's in the opening day lineup. He was one for two with two walks and a run batted in. Opening day, this Thursday, the Pirates come to town. Now, my picks were 0-4, but somebody yesterday, when asked what they would do with the Bengals' backfield, brought up the name Ezekiel Elliott. Now, we don't know what the deal is, right? We don't know. But the former Ohio State and Dallas Cowboys star Ezekiel Elliott says he's narrowed his choices to three teams he'd like to play for this coming season, and one of them is Cincinnati. Now, Elliott has battled injuries the last two years, but last year still rushed for almost 900 yards and 12 touchdowns. He's also considered to be an excellent blocker in pass protection. The Bengals need it with no more P. Ryan. Could we see Zeke? Says he wants his old number back, 15. We've got that number available. That he played for the Mighty Buckeyes with. Won a national championship. Ran for like 500 yards in the semis in the title game. And then there's soccer. We can never, Casey, exit without a mention of FC Cincinnati. Of course. Playing in Nashville. Although when you look at that, you know, when you look at the preview of the game, We've talked about this, another head-scratcher when it comes to soccer. You know, every sport on the planet, when they put them up there graphically, the team on the left is always the road team, the team on the right is always the home team, but not with soccer. I had to double-check and look at it again. Shame on me. They're playing in Nashville. That is tomorrow night, 8.30 Eastern. FC's having a good year, all kidding aside. I mean, they've only played four games, but they have the third most points in the MLS. They have two wins and two ties. I almost caught myself again. Almost said tie. The draws. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> you know, when they do the standings, I mean, every sport on the planet has W, left to right, W, L, and for those sports that have a tie or draw, they have T, D. But no, soccer, we go wins. We don't want anybody to lose. This is participation stuff here now. <laughs> okay? We go W, T, D, whatever they do, and then L's. So a normal human being would look at that and think, oh, FC Cincinnati is two and two on the year. No, no, they're two, two and oh, but the two is 
draws than Boston. Tom, if you go to the MLS website, they have the 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 version for you because it is labeled as win loss ties. Just for you. Really? Yes. Well, then you know what? I'm never going to bring that. If that's what the MLS does, and I give them credit. The M- if you go to the MLSsoccer.com and you look at the standings, because it's called standings, conference standings, uh, it is labeled as win-loss tie. But that's just because I think we're American. and you know. Dumb it down for uh, <laughs> us dummy Americans, yeah. Tom. Well, you know, I, I tell you, uh, uh, just to soccer for a second. Uh, and I always talk about the athletic here on the program. I got to tell you, I mean, they have so many unbelievable stories. They're not limited by space. I had no idea. Years ago, years ago, when they first came up to the big leagues, and I was announcing the Cubs games, I got to be buddies with um, more so Eric Karos. And we've continued a friendship mm-hmm. for years and years and years. We announced games together later at Fox. But, but Karos and Piazza were roommates, Mike Piazza, were roommates living uh, right by the beach, Manhattan Beach, uh, when they were playing for the Dodgers. And I got to be friends with these guys. And every blue moon when the Cubs would go in to play the Dodgers, uh, I'd meet those guys out and we'd have a couple of beers. I have always just thought the world of Mike Piazza. I I really liked the guy. He's a 60-second round pick. He grew up in Pennsylvania. Uh, Very humble just pleasant, very, very pleasant, soft-spoken guy. But I've not spoken with him in years. Um, and I did not know. There is an unbelievable story about Piazza that he buys this kind of almost Ted Lasso-like team in soccer in Italy. Piazza, Italy, Italian, right? And he's always wanted to go back to his homeland Uh, even though he had never been there. But he had family back there. He buys this basically, let's just call it, if there's an A-League, B-League, C-League, he buys a C-League team in this tiny little town. Uh, And, I mean, he is celebrated like nobody's business, him and his wife, right? They've been married for years. Well, they get over there, and then the story is documented of, of all the stuff that goes on whether it was a stadium, whether it was a rent for the stadium, whether it was having to pay people, even though you fired them by Italian law, and they racked up $6 million in losses, $7 million in losses. They sold their $19 million house in Miami to offset some of these. I mean, it is an unbelievable story. And ultimately, the team went bankrupt just recently. Um, and the repercussions of that on his marriage, uh, they're still together. Uh, on his kids, he had moved his family over there for half the year. His kids were going to school there. Um, it, it, it's a pretty amazing story. So if you subscribe to The Athletic, I would highly recommend that you look that thing up because it's a big league story. And um, obviously not a happy ending for the Piazzas in Italy. That reminds me of Ryan Reynolds buying Wrexham. Well, not by himself, but him and uh, the guy I, from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, they they go and Rob ahead McElhinney. and they yeah they buy a team together, and um, they actually have a docu series on it, and you can watch it. I don't know what what it's on. I think it's like 
Amazon Prime or something like Apple. that. I think it's Apple. I think, no, I think Ryan Apple. Reynolds has a deal with Apple. Yep. Well, perfect. I already have Apple TV. Have so. you guys watched Ted Lasso? I'm yes. not. I heard it's good. What a great show. <laughs> I, uh, that is a great show. I actually binge watched it, like caught up to it in two days, just like two weeks ago. It's that good. Yeah, it's really good. It really is good. It really is. I mean, it is really good. What kind of time commitment am I given? 30 minute or hour? 30 minutes. 30 minute episodes? I yeah. can do that. Can and and worth, out. I mean, everyone, and like, like Casey did. I mean, you can just steamroll through, right? You know, my wife and I watched them together. We didn't do it that way. But uh, gosh, what a great show. Very funny, very entertaining. Um, that dude's an awesome actor. What's his name? Jason Sudeikis, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sudeikis. I mean, he is just fantastic. Yeah. He's yeah. great. Could never be better, though, than he was in We're the Millers. We're the Millers. That's a, that's a TNT 4 p.m. almost every Sunday kind of show. I feel like it's always on television. <laughs> that is as good as it gets. Horrible Bosses. He's pretty funny. Oh, in that my too. God. Uh, it's not for the uh, weak of heart. Because there are some lines in that movie. Oh. Wow. All right, boys, where do you want to start? Do we want to rehash our games from last night? Do you want to start there? We're going to have Paul a little bit later on. Uh, we have Paul Doherty at um, 11 to talk about March Madness. We're going to have Paul Fritschner from Kansas City right around 11.30. Do we want to... Um, oh, here, here's a suggestion. Seth says he wants to start getting serious about opening day. All right, let, let's talk about the Reds just okay. for a minute here. Uh, they've been running all their horses out there here for the last four or five days. I mentioned that they wondered if Votto was going to start the season on time. It certainly appears that way, right? Right. I mean, he looks good. He's been in the lineup every day. Uh, I'm not surprised at all. There are some people out there that think I'm not a Votto guy. It, it, it's ridiculous. I might not agree with everything you think of Votto, but the one thing I've always said, and I tell the story all the time about – um, years ago when I was still announcing the games. And, and, and this is Joey Votto. I mean, this is a microcosm of Joey Votto. We were playing down in Miami. Uh, the game had gone like 17 innings, something absurd, went into like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, I couldn't sleep that night. I wake up about 6.30, go downstairs to hit the gym, and who's already in there after playing 17, 16 innings the night before? Joey Votto. That's him. Early grinder. Total grinder. Total grinder. I mean, him and Pete Rose are one and the same guy as far as that is concerned. So it's not surprising to me that coming off a very serious surgery, um, that Votto is going to make it back for opening day. The question is, what are you expecting out of Joey Votto this season? The Joey Votto two years ago had a renaissance year. Mm -hmm. He had been very bad the year before, okay? Then he has this great year. Now, last year, you know, how long did he play hurt? I would probably say he played a long time hurt last year, and he had an awful year. What is reasonable of a 39-year-old man turning 40 in September? What is a reasonable expectation of Joey Votto's season. The thing about Joey Votto is that for the longest part, the best part of his game was his eye, right? I mean, you're looking at his stats and he's 
getting on base over 40% of the time, like a 420, 430 hitter until he gets to his mid-30s. Then that started to taper off, but he's still getting on base about 36% of the time. But as he gets older, he's not as threatening as a hitter, right? He had yep. almost 40 home runs a couple years ago, but last year he was he was terrible. So they can attack. Pitchers attack him more and more, which makes him going to have to put the ball in play more. If he can continue to be Joey Votto of old, work at bats, get on base about 38, close to 40% of the time, he will still be a valuable player, right? It's just can he get back to that now that he's near 40 years old? I don't know. You're looking at last year. He played 91 games, and you know every batting average dropped 60 60 points. On base dropped 60 points. Slugging percentage dropped 200 points. Yeah. So how much is this age? How much is injury gonna you know hurt his ability to put the ball out of the park and continue to be a threatening hitter? You know, just based off of looking at his stats and the 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 trend. If you just look at the trend of where he's heading towards. I expect him and his ceiling to be probably, you know, around that 250 mark. Yeah, I think that's and, fair. Yeah. And I think, you know, the 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 basement, per se, would be around that 200 mark. I don't think there's anything that we can really say or suggest that he can get back to that, you know, 2.8, 2.9, 3 range at batting. Um but like you said, you don't necessarily need him to do that. You just need him to get on base. So, you know. The thing that Joey Votto can bring to this team, can benefit this team, isn't his play on the field going forward. It's helping develop these these younger yeah. guys. He's at the age where he's past, well past his prime. He can still be a productive player, but how can he help, you know, the Tyler Stevenson of the world and all these prospects that are coming up and getting Jonathan India back right to where he was as a rookie of the year. How can he help these players develop as professionals, as ball players that come in and work just as you mentioned? You know, he's working up, showing up in the gym at 6 in the morning, 7 yep. in the morning. How can he show these young guys that's the way that you go about and be successful in this business? That's what he can bring is being a leader in the clubhouse. And, and he has become very much that, I think. He's not necessarily the rah-rah guy, but he is very well-liked. Uh, he's very smart. Uh, it can be extremely funny, uh, and Reds fans have started to see uh, that side of Votto just here in the last couple of years. Is quite frankly, I'm not going to say he's come out of his shell, but he's come out of his shell. Yeah. Right? What did you think about him calling games last year? I, I mean, think I think it's great. I've always wondered why guys who are hurt, and I mean hurt, hurt, you know, yeah, where yeah. they're not going to be coming back anytime soon. I've always wondered why guys, more guys don't do that. Because, it, you know, I mean, for the fans, what's better than that, right? Votto getting up there and talking about it. I think he really liked it. I mean, I don't talk to the guy. I don't, I don't sit here and, you know, correspond with him uh, in any form or fashion. Uh, we've asked him to be on his program multiple times and to quote Rob Butcher, the Reds Media Relations Director, who's up from around this area, right? I don't know where Rob yes, Butcher is. Yes, he is. From. Uh, he has politely declined, mm -hmm. and that is very much his right. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. I think he liked it. I think a lot of the guys find out when they go up in that booth that initially they like it, and then you find out that, okay, now i got to work at it, and Votto has never been uh, against going to work at anything that anything he's ever done. So it wouldn't surprise me one day. He might not want to do 162 games. He might not want to do 110 games. Barry Larkin doesn't want to do that. 
That's why Larkin's doing the home games and Chris Welsh does the road games. But would Votto be up with something like that? He would tell you, I'm not even thinking about that because he's already said, I plan on continuing to play. Now, this is the last year, as we know, of his Reds contract. They're paying him $25 million. Uh, if they picked up an option on that deal next year, it would be for $20 million. If they tell him goodbye, they hand him a check for $7 million to walk out the door. How good is that? You get paid $250 million, and just to say goodbye, they hand you seven. Pretty good deal. You take that deal, wouldn't you, Casey? I'd take that deal. Damn good deal. <laughs> you know, I, I always, when we get um, comments like this, uh, and this is one, I got to find this because I read it a second ago. Um, Chad, who's in the chat regularly, and we, and we love having Chad. And most of this comment I agree with, but parts of it I don't agree with. He says, I'm going to go to games this year for Joey Votto. I understand that. Tom, this management and ownership has wasted a great career. All right, let's, let's take that part, and this is the part that I disagree with. Okay? If you look at Joey Votto's career, okay, in 2010, they had a team that won the division. In 2011, they had a team good enough to win the division. Same guys coming back. Even added a little bit, right? It was time for Roland to leave, Frazier's coming in, all those kinds of things, right? Um, they do nothing in 11. 12, they had the best team in the National League. They were the best team. They won the first two games in San Francisco. They had not lost three in a row at home all year long. They come back home and get swept by the Giants. And they can't score. I mean, they can't score. And they're facing guys like Barry Zito, who at one time was a damn good pitcher. No he wasn't by then with the Giants. Okay? And they can't score. I mean, you got Homer Bailey pitching seven, eight innings, giving up one run and getting beat. Right? Um, 2013, they go to a one-game playoff. They can't score. Now fast forward. After some lean years, Okay, they get to a point where they spent a ton of money. Might have been bad decisions on some of the guys, but they spent a ton of money. They acquire Bauer. They bring in Moustakas. They've got a lot of good players around them. And what happens? Right? Okay, you got COVID. Then they come back. They're a 500 team despite talent that is much better than a 500 team. They get to the playoffs, and when I say they can't score... I mean, they literally and figuratively cannot score. They don't score a single run. Not one. In two games against Atlanta. Atlanta's pitching was good. It ain't that good. So, if you really look over the 10 years of Votto's career, this year being the last of that contract, they have had teams that have been more than good enough to advance at least to a championship series, and the 2012 team should have competed for a World Series. They didn't. The other teams were playoff-worthy or close to it. So while there have been some bad years, this ownership group, and look, this is the ownership group that fired my ass. So I'm not sitting here and going to bat for them in any form or fashion, okay? I'm grateful they gave me a chance to come back to my hometown. I'll forever be grateful for that. 
But I got myself fired. They gave, didn't want to give me another chance to come back and right my wrong. That's their decision. God bless it. But I'm not going to sit up here and say that, you know, they didn't give Joey Votto a chance and ruined a career with crummy teams. That's just simply not true. The next part, he says, build the statue, name the street, give him everything. Couldn't agree more. Where'd you put the statue at? Maybe the, the whole monument. Well, you're going to have a lot. They're, they're, they're reshuffling a lot of that thing with their, um, you know, their, their uh, gambling partner down there. Yeah, down they're there. Building the building down there where those batting cages for the little kids used to be, right? Well, they. Is that where it's going? The sports book is already open in the machine room. BetMGM, not our sponsor, but they have a sports book. Uh, well, that's for right now. Right. But Are I they, think they're building a okay. free stand. I think. Okay. I thought I was told that. I'm going to be down there later today. i got to drop something off. So, I mean, I doubt I'll get into it. Uh, but, but Keith points out, once the playoffs started, the Reds offense left the building. Yes, it did. Checked out. That 2012 Giants team went on to win the World Series. So They did. Right. But, I mean, anybody who was there, you know, the single biggest play for me was you win the first two games. Now, you, you, you know, we were talking earlier about basketball. You get bad luck with injuries, okay? Game one, Cueto, right? He has to leave. So now your whole pitching thing is screwed up. Everything's messed up. And they had three rock solid, four rock solid starters on that team that year, right? I mean, you had Latos, mm-hmm. who was great down the stretch. Arroyo was still good. And Homer Bailey, the only big games Bailey ever pitched in his career, and there weren't many during his career with the Reds, and you can say he was good, he stunk, you can say whatever you want to say. Whenever the Reds put Bailey on the mound in a big game, that guy delivered the goods. He was fantastic. But the first inning of game three, so they're ahead two games tonight. The Giants don't score in the top of the first inning, Okay. In the bottom of the first inning, Brandon Phillips gets on first base, and you're thinking, here we go. I mean, the crowd is jumping. You're thinking, all right. There's a wild pitch. Phillips tries to go first to third on the wild pitch, and he is thrown out from me to you. And I mean just the the whole balloon. And from that moment on, Nothing went right. Tom, so, I got a question. Who do you think is a, a a more legendary figure for the Reds? Barry Larkin or Joey Votto? Well, look, I mean, if, if you're going to go by stats, uh, Votto is going to get the nod. But Larkin's a born. We know how we are about Cincinnati guys, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like the old Pete and Johnny thing even though Larkin and Votto weren't teammates like Pete and Johnny were. I mean, Johnny Bench was the greatest at his position of all time. Still is. Yeah, I mean, of all time. Mm -hmm. Now, you might get into a debate about guys with Pete Rose and where he ranks with players all time, and he never really had a single position because we talked about it with Tracy, you know, last week. He moved around everywhere. But... Rose was always the more popular player. Now, some of that had to do with personality. Pete was much more outgoing. 
Uh, Johnny, around fans, tended to sort of clam up. He wanted his space when he got away from baseball. I think Johnny would be the first to tell you he, he probably should have treated the fans better than he did when he played. Pete did, and still does, treat them great. Johnny does now, too. Um, but Larkin and Votto are very different kind of – I mean, they're very, you know, quiet. Don't – unless you really are in their inner circle or a teammate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Larkin would get the nod because he is a Cincinnati guy. They also had more success with, with Larkin. Well, that's right. right. That's right. And he was a more well-rounded player. Mm-hmm. Larkin was a great defender, was a great base runner, great best ste- base stealer, all those kinds of things. What do you think? Uh, I think Barry Larkin probably gets the edge there just because, you know, they won the 1990 World Series. They went to the playoffs in 1995, the NLCS. So just probably more fond years remembering his time as a Red, more so than Joey Votto. I saw someone in the chat earlier bring up, we are talking about statues building around Great American Ballpark. Um, someone brought up that they should put Joey Votto, Barry Larkin, and a King Griffey Jr. statue. I don't think they should have a King Griffey Jr. statue. No. He wasn't good for the Not Reds. Not a chance. No chance at all. None. No way. Right. No way. I agree. Hey, Chad, by the way, you just said, Tom, you roasted me, and I deserved it. Well said. Chad, Chad I wasn't roasting you. I wasn't roasting you at all. I was just pointing out that we have a difference of opinion on it. Yeah. We don't all have to live in the world like you watch these politicians. You know, you might disagree on something. You don't have to yell and scream and call each other bad names. You disagree to disagree. Move on. Your other points, I said, were fantastic. Um, you know the other part about uh, Junior? And I grew up with Ken Griffey Jr. Now, we weren't the same age. I'm a lot older than he is. But back in the days of the, of the Big Red Machine, you know, I was like a fifth grader when my dad first got the job, sixth grade, whatever it was. And um, we would always run around and play these games in the Reds' offices while the Reds were playing. And uh, Ken's older brother who played football, you may remember, had the terrible neck injury, had to quit playing mm-hmm. football, was a great football player. Uh, Craig. Uh, played at Moeller, standout running back, went yeah. to Ohio State, got hurt on a kickoff return, um, and and was told that, you know, hey, you keep playing, you got a chance, you're never going to walk again, he stopped playing. So he was the one I knew a little bit better, but Junior was always running around there. Always loved him, was so much fun. Uh, out in Seattle, the hat backwards, running around, big smile, whole nine yards. I didn't see that guy in Cincinnati. Maybe yeah. it was because of the injuries. Maybe it was because of the pressure, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't – yeah, I don't he, – he seemed a little complacent. He had the injury early on, had a good first year with the Reds, and he just never really got back to that. And on top of that, the Reds really never had a whole lot of success um, while, you know, Griffey and then Dunn came up. Well, there's no doubt. Didn't have a lot of uh, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I hate saying it, but, you know, I, I remember, and I've told this story on the show before, of coming in as a Fox announcer for a Saturday game of the week when the Reds were in the hunt, which was the first time in, like, forever. And I walked in that clubhouse on a Friday. Huge series. And you got guys laying around on the couches in the clubhouse. I remember I looked at my dad, and I said, does this go on all the time around here? This is two hours for the first pitch. This is a huge weekend series. 
chance to get in the playoffs. And you got guys laying around. Tom, do you know where King Griffey Jr. is from? Well, I know where he was born, and I know where he went to high school. Where was he born? He was born, I believe, in Denora, Pennsylvania. Town of only 4,000. It's where his mom and dad are from. Right. It's a town of only 4,000. Two Hall of Famers have been born in Denora. King Griffey Jr. and Stan Musial. How about that? And they were born on the same day, November 21st. Really? Yeah. How about that? How about that? Tom. All right. Now, what about before we get into basketball, and we got Paul Doherty come up to talk some basketball, and we'll ask him the same question, okay? Uh, Sir Boy Wonder said he lived in a town right next to Denora. Boy, Sir Boy Wonder's everywhere. In some form or fashion, it always comes back to Sir Boy Wonder. I, I need to get him with Sir Boy. If he's going to the Echo on the weekends, that's, that's a big league. Uh, Sir Boy's big the league. Echo. The Echo. I haven't been there in a while. I haven't been there in a while. Okay. I asked you about Votto. I can't remember what the Betfred Sportsbook. Uh, can you look this up? Do they have this of an over-under win total for the Red Legs here in 2023? It's somewhere, I mean, I'll, I'll it's look It's in the mid-60s, right? It's like 66, somewhere around there. I'll pull it up right now. Um, but it should be right around like 66 and a half, so they have to win 67 ball games. Pulling it up. Tom. 66 and a half, Yes. Are you at all disappointed that they are not starting Encarnacio Strand or Ellie De La Cruz? I just saw a comment here that made me think, you know, it is kind of disappointing that it feels like the Reds are complacent in having a losing season and not trying to win. And it feels like they've been doing really well in spring training. Yeah. I know that doesn't mean everything, right. but wouldn't it mean something to the fans if – they saw, like, hey, these prospects, they're working out. They're going to try to start them. And I know it could, like, backfire if they play badly, but what, what are your thoughts? Well, on here, here's what, the deal, okay? I don't, I don't think that it's fair to say the Reds are one of those teams. And, and, and Reed, you're a big Cub guy. Yeah. The Reds have not been that team in recent years that holds guys back to start that clock. Yeah. They've given their young players a chance if, if they felt it was the right time to start with the major league team. I think they look at De La Cruz. They look at Encarnacion Strand. Yes, Casey, you're right. They've had incredible spring training. There's no doubt about it. They've oftentimes, Encarnacion Strand, you can make an argument when he was still in big league camp and playing in the games that he was the best offensive player of any team in spring training in Arizona, period. Mm -hmm. But he's never played above double A. And when you look at what their situation is, they don't like him as a third baseman. It looks like his position is going to be for the long haul as a first baseman. Well, let's look at where you are, okay, when they send him back to minor league camp, okay? You have Votto, who's your first baseman. They've already stated that Tyler Stevenson is going to be playing a lot of first base or DH and not catching all the time. Okay, right. so if Votto's not in the lineup as a left-handed batter, you got Stevenson down there. Mm -hmm. If for some reason Votto's not ready, they're talking about playing Will Myers down there. Mm -hmm. So how much playing time is Encarnacion Strand going to get in the first month of the season? And when they made this decision, they probably knew internally that Votto was going to be ready for the year, but, but at least the rest of us didn't know it. So that's what they're looking at. And they're saying, let's send the guy to AAA. Let's let him get 
some time under his belt. Maybe they continue. Now, now, here is where I've always differed with the Reds on things like this. I've always had an issue with, um, and this goes back to the Yonder Alonzo thing. Alonzo was not a great athlete, okay? He was a first baseman, but the Reds had Votto. They wanted Alonzo's bat in the lineup. So they flirted around for about three days out in left field, him working out. It didn't look good. It didn't go well. So they completely shut down the idea of doing it. You've got to give a kid a little bit more time. They had Billy Hatcher as their outfield coach. Nobody better on the planet than that guy. But they should have been starting that stuff in spring training when Eric Davis is there, Billy Hatcher is there, and things like this. This is Encarnacion Strand. Now, Steer's a third baseman, right? Correct. Okay. I, and I don't know what he's going to be. What do you think he's going to be? I, Good I think player? He, mediocre player? What? I, I think he could be a, a player that plays in the MLB for a long time. Okay. I think he can be a, a nice ball player. Okay. But he doesn't have the upside offensively that no, Encarnacion. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. All right. So, you know, and, and, and I'm sure they're doing it. But if they're not, then something's wrong. If you know the situation you have at first base, even beyond this year, and it appears as though Stevenson will continue to get more and more playing time as a first baseman. You don't want him to get hurt, get a concussion, catch, and all that kind of stuff, right? Even though he says he wants to catch. This Encarnacion strand, uh, his hands better be bleeding for me, getting better at third base. And I'm going to be interested to see where they're going to play him when they send him to AAA. That's going to be interesting. The thing about all these prospects for the Reds are they're all infielders, right? Every single one of them. Yes. For the most part. A lot part. of shortstops. A lot of shortstops. So, I mean, there's only, there's only one shortstop that can play on the field at a time. So, you can't bring them all up and just disperse them around the field. You've got to, you know, figure out where they're going to play in the major league system. And another thing you got to realize about the prospects not coming up or not making an opening day is the Reds, at the end of the day, they're still a business. They're still trying to sell tickets. That's so you right. So, you get that opening push, opening day, first couple weeks. People come out to the ballpark because they just want to go see a ball game. Then you start dwindling in, in attendance around May and stuff like that. That's when you bring up one prospect, sell a few more tickets, bring up Ellie De La Cruz, Encarnacion Strand, whatever, after they get a month in, in minor leagues, and you get that jolt from seeing them play a little bit. Then in June, you bring up another prospect, and you, you kind of – That's right. You think it's strategy. I, I think that it is a strategy thing. I think it is also just the fact that you can't have all these guys come up at the same time, and there's there's – no need to really push for this year because I don't think even if even if all these prospects come up and they're they're great rookies, this I don't think this team's going to compete to make the postseason. So what's the point of of rushing, you know, rushing this team? Yeah, what, what I, I agree, and I mean, you know, I, I I still think though it would be an unfair statement to say that the Reds have uh, always held guys back, uh, worried about the clock ticking for arbitration and free agents. They, they, they've not been that franchise. They, they have given guys a chance right from the get-go if they felt like they are ready. All right, I'm going to throw it to the Ham and Eggers. We're going to start getting into college basketball when we come back. Stick around on Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. It's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Well. Shoo-wee, that's some good water, Casey. That That's looks like some very good water. That is premium hydration. I got to tell you guys a little story. So last night I, I, I ate something a little rotten and, you know, had a bad night. I was sick. I don't get sick very often. And when I do, I'm a baby about it. And 
golly, I didn't think I was going to come in today. Here I am. And the only thing that got me through this is this superior hydration. It's Pawnee water. And I got to ask you, Casey, are you still, I mean, I've asked you this multiple times. Are you still drinking regular water? Um, I, I don't want to anymore. I no, don't want to drink regular water. Well, it's good because they have a superior hydration method. That's alkaline water. You know, Pawnee is some of the best stuff. They got natural limestone filtration, and it is a repeat winner of the best-tasting water in the world because it's sourced right here in Hamilton, Ohio, 45013 zip code or 45011, depending on where you're at in town. Um, it is Pawnee, P-A-H-H-N-I, water.com. Be sure to check it out. Be sure to get some Pawnee water. It's good stuff. Casey, did you watch any of the basketball games last night? I did. I did. Um, I caught the end of the Michigan State-Kansas State game. I then was going to start watching the rest of the Arkansas game. Um, I decided to flip that off because that was just – UConn's a wagon. Yeah, UConn just was smoking them the entire time. I think at one point they were up by like 30. It was like really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I was watching the FAU Tennessee game and finished that one and then uh, started watching the UCLA Gonzaga game. And then I, it was getting too late for me. So I ended up going to bed, didn't finish that one. But Yeah, it was around the, the time of the end of the UCLA Gonzaga game when I started not feeling well. So that was, uh, that's going to be a scarred memory in my past now. But both games, both between the Gonzaga-UCLA and the, the K-State-Michigan State game were absolutely fantastic. Marquise Noel, what a game. Sets the NCAA record for assists, Casey. That's incredible. Did you watch that, did you watch that alley-oop live? Yes. You did? Yes. That was I, incredible. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. That's what this whole month's about. That's what college basketball, you get to the end. And you just hope for great basketball games. That's what we got. It's a shame that, I mean, we got four today. We'll have four in the Elite Eight. So that gives us, what, a, about 11 games, 11 college basketball games left for the rest of the year. And then it's baseball season. But, man, you got to cherish these last 11 games. And that means we got four games left, Tom, of our Xavier Musketeers. We got the, we got the win tonight. <laughs> we got the game on Sunday. Then we got the final four in the championship. I'm rocking the Muskies today. No IU shirt. All Muskies now. That IU shirt uh, is being worn by a fifth grader somewhere <laughs> here in Hamilton now. Was it was a little snug, wasn't it? It was it was a little tight. I I'll tell you what, the chat has been on my butt. They should of, be as of recently. I mean, last week with the IU shirt, this week they're trying to cancel me by getting 200 likes, and you can't cancel me. I'm right here. I'm gonna keep showing up. That's exactly right, Grinder. <laughs> Grinder. 7 a.m. in the the hotel. Hotel gym. That's just exactly like Joey right. That's exactly right. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we've gotten a lot of good uh, folks uh, jumping in on the whole baseball thing. I mean, look, we're going to have to shift gears on this show and cover a lot of baseball uh, this upcoming summer. Uh, you know, a, a lot of folks in the chat, they're talking about, you know, some of the prospects. Uh, the, 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 the line you hear all the time is, Hey, look, what's the difference? Whether it's Encarnacion Strand or De La Cruz or whoever you want to pick, once they get up to be a big star, the Reds are going to trade them away. Again, that's not the, that's not the track record. Tom, I got a it's question. It's not the track record. They held on 
two big stars, mm-hmm. fan favorites, too long. No doubt. You know, the Jay Bruces, the Araldus Chapmans, right? All those guys, the Todd Frazier's, mm-hmm. they held on to all those guys for too long. So it's not been their M.O. Again, you got to be fair here. And I'm not, you know, I'm not carrying the water here for Reds management or Reds baseball operations in any form or fashion. But that's not been their M.O. You just have to go by the facts. Tom, yesterday, Tracy and us were all talking about Shohei Otani because the World Baseball Classic from a few nights ago. Two-way player. If you remember Hunter Green, yes. when he was drafted, he was a two-way player. Yep. Highly touted batter as well as hitter. Did he ever get a fair shake as a, as a position player, or did they strictly just put him on the mound because that's clearly where his attributes are, are better. I mean, you throw 100 miles an hour, they're gonna, you're going to pitch more often than not. Again, it's another thing that, in reference to what I was talking about a little while ago, I've never understood why not try it. Right there with you. Why not try it? Um, And there are arguments, perfectly logical, reasonable arguments of why not to do it. But I guarantee you, and I don't know Hunter Green at all, but I guarantee you, if you spoke to that young man when he was coming out of high school and he was a second pick in the draft, now we didn't know he's going to have Tommy John surgery and all the rest of that stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. But let's be honest with it. When you're a guy throwing 100 miles an hour and baseball has hundreds of these guys, if you include the major league level and the minor league level, guys that are throwing 100, there's probably a good chance sooner or later they're going to have Tommy John. Right? Yeah, that's probably a, a very the stress is mind-boggling on the arm. Uh, that's why what Nolan Ryan was able to do to me uh, between him and Randy Johnson, I I, I just can't believe it. Uh, blessed for sure with incredible health, both of them, thousands of innings. Um, but I guarantee, if you asked Hunter Green, he'd have said, "I'm all in for trying." What was your first year in Chicago? That would be 1990. Okay, so Nolan was, was not on the Astro. Was he done by then, Nolan Ryan? I don't remember that. He was still pitching. He was still pitching. So he came to Chicago sometimes because the, yes. the Astros were back. He was, uh, but they had you know Mike Scott and uh, that whole group. And then he ended up going to the American League, I think, right around there. Uh, Nolan Ryan did. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Jordan, uh, I think Castellanos kind of wanted to stay. Um, he could have been kept. Um, I think there was a part of Cincinnati that, um, that Castellanos liked a lot. I don't think there's any debate about that. The issue I have with Castellanos, it's the only issue I know what some of you are thinking. Don't go down that road. I know what some of you are thinking. Admit it. Admit it. It's what you were thinking. The issue I have with Castellanos is he starts ripping the franchise after he's already gone. Yeah. Right? Right. I mean, be a stand-up guy and do it um, while you're still here. You you know, and you can say, well, you're not going to say it when you're getting paid by somebody. Well, okay. But, I mean, you know, a lot of the comments he made, he could have made those same comments while he was still playing here. Great fans, great fan base, ownership. I wish they would commit for us being all in around here. He had a great year here, one year. 
He was fantastic. And then he goes to a town where all of a sudden the fans, a little bit different ball game. <laughs> Media, a little bit different ball game. It's different out there in Philly. Has, anyone, has any batter benefited more from Great American Ballpark than Nick Castellanos? He's playing in Detroit. Yeah. Big, it's oh, a yeah. big ballpark. Yep. He's leading the league in doubles. He's still a good hitter, but he's only getting, you know, 20 home runs a year, 18 home runs a year, yep. somewhere in the low. He comes Great American Ballpark. Those doubles all of a sudden are going over the fence. He parlayed a 35 home run season into $100 million. So bravo, bravo to Nick Castellanos. Absolutely. Good for him. God bless him. And he got to a World Series last year. Yep. And uh, we'll find out what he's able to do this year. Is Doc ready to go? He is ready. He's ready to go. Uh, you know, we were saying uh, the Substack.com, the morning line at Substack.com. But, uh, you know, I got to thinking now he's got this new gig going at the Benjamin. Is that a Benjamin, the Ben.com lid? What, what do you got? What are you sporting there? Is that a Princeton hat? Bengal? What, what is that? This, my friend, is a oh. Keystone Light <laughs> hat signed by Kenny Anderson himself. He's a big Keystone-like guy, right? Yes, he is. When he lived on Hilton Head, I think there was one place on the island that had Keystone Light. I think it was a Walmart. And he put in his personal order for Keystone, a couple of cases, every month. I think he was the only guy on, on Hilton Head that drank Keystone. Except when I go there on vacation, which is rarely. So, um, another reason to love Kenny Anderson. There's no doubt. Why do you think he's not in the Hall of Fame? I, I don't know, because he played here. Because uh, nobody here has ever actively campaigned, politicked uh, for him. Uh, and he's not the kind of guy that's going to do it for himself. Um, I, he, he was overshadowed by Bradshaw because Pittsburgh won all those titles. Uh, he was a better quarterback than Bradshaw, certainly better, better passer. Um, but he didn't have, you know, mean Joe Green, Mel Blunt, Rocky Blyer, Franco and, and the Pittsburgh, the whole Pittsburgh thing. Um, so yeah, I, it's just one of those things, you know. I think we all feel sometimes in life that we've been shorted, slighted, ignored, overlooked. Um, not many of us have a case for that. Uh, I think Kenny does. It's good to see Ken Riley is getting in this year, and we'll, we'll be looking forward to that during the induction in, um, in Canton, Ohio, later uh, this summer. Um, we've been talking a lot today, even though it's the NCAA, and we'll get to that here in a minute. Um, but we've been talking a lot about opening day. Uh, Doc, you were the lead columnist at the Enquirer in this town uh, for over 30 years. You've been in this town longer than that now with doing the morning line, uh, continuing that. Um, I can never remember. Now, it doesn't mean I'm right. I can never remember being five days away from opening day and tickets still available. Does that surprise you? I mean... Opening day is different here. We all know that. And if for no other reason, I would have figured it sold out because it's opening day in Cincinnati. What's it say that it's not? I don't know, Tom. It, it, 
it saddens me more, <clears throat> excuse me, more than surprises me. Um, it's, it's a results-based gig, man, and, and not even opening day is immune to that. Uh, the fans are, are feeling, um, I don't know what the word is, abused, not abused necessarily, but they don't feel like the team is making its best effort to put its best product out on the field. Um, uh, I, I think it's a logical response to what has been happening here for several years. Um, I think there's still a lot of Reds fans out there, and I think all of them are going to watch TV and listen on the radio. I just think that more and more they're not going to go to the games. They're not going to support a product that they don't feel supports them. And, and being a, a former Pittsburgh Pirate fan, I can relate to that completely. You know, I still hold fond memories of the Pirates and still hope that, that someday they'll come back and, and be a representative team. But at the moment, I, I, don't, I don't like them and I don't support them. And I, I don't care what they do. And I, I think more and more Reds fans are in that position. Now, I mean, conversely, you can, you can suggest that, you know, look at the young guys they're, they're, they're bringing up. Uh, the farm system is, is doing better. But you can't base your passion on a major league baseball club, on minor league, before a major league baseball club, on minor league guys. You know, the prospect is baseball speak for ain't done nothing yet. And until they start doing, I think fans are going to stay away. And it's sad. It really is. I, I, I feel bad. I wish it weren't this way. You know, I'd like you to share that. You've done so, and you've referenced it uh, a number of times through the years in your column. But, uh, but, but, but share with us here on Off the Bench on, on you know, how you logically came to the conclusion that you weren't going to be invested in the Pirates anymore. Because I think there might be a lesson in there for some Reds fans looking at this 2023 season. Yeah, I, sure there is. I, I, I don't think that... The ownership of the Reds is quite down to the level of the ownership of the Pirates. Um, but it's trending in that direction. I, I was, my dad was an heirloom, like lots of kids in, in sports. You're, you're, the teams that you follow are the teams that your dad followed, or that your grandfather followed, and so on and so forth. I was a Pirate fan from the time I was about five years old. My dad spent part of his youth right outside of Pittsburgh in a town called Mount Lebanon and kind of bequeathed me the team. And man, I was all in for many, many years. When the first year out of college was 1979, uh, Pirates went to the World Series that whole summer. I spent trying to get the Pirates on the radio from uh, Maryland where I, was, where I was living and working. Uh, they saw me through that 79 summer where I didn't know anybody, didn't have any friends and so on. Um, and then they, they got it back together. After that, they, they, they played really good baseball early in the 90s, and then they lost Bonds and Van Slyke and Bonilla and Doug Drabeck. And it was really the first team that was crushed by free agency, hung with them. Uh, even when they made no attempt to get better for years, when, when the owner, Bob Nutting, was totally unresponsive to, to fans and to the tradition. It's a good baseball tradition in Pittsburgh that was handed to him. And I finally lost it when they traded. They traded three pretty good players, young players: um, Austin Meadows, Shane Baz, and 
Glasnow, Tyler Glasnow, yeah. to Tampa Bay for a guy named Chris Archer who couldn't strike me out. And I said, that's it. I, I can't do this anymore. That was maybe five years ago. And I just mm -hmm. quit him. And I haven't looked back. And I hope they do well. And I'd love to come back one day and be a fan. Uh, but, I, you know, 55 years into it, I said, screw this. I'm not doing this anymore. If they don't care about me, why should I care about them? And I do think that's kind of an existential question that lots of uh, Reds fans are asking right now. I think it's a great point. I think it's a fantastic point. Uh, we shift gears to college basketball. You know, uh, I, I made the comment in the monologue, uh, whether you're a Mick Cronin fan or you're not, and I'm very much a big Mick Cronin fan. I mean, there was a part of me, not to the level of Kenyon Martin's devastating injury, breaking his leg in the Conference USA tournament when Hugs was there. Um, but there was a part of me, even before the tip-off last night, I just thought to myself, man, can these old UC guys catch a break? Uh, you know, they lose the Jalen Clark kid, then they lose another starter in the second round. Uh, he clearly had the kind of team that I think could have won a national championship this year. They made a phenomenal run at it, uh, but they come up short getting beat again at the buzzer by Gonzaga. Yeah, the, 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 the other injury you were talking about, a kid named Bona. Yeah. He's a hell of a defensive player, and he would have been guarding Drew Timmy, who, by the way, is really my favorite player of this year. Yeah. This kid, yeah. Drew Timmy, he's, he's a piece of work, man. He's like the big Lebowski of college basketball. But anyway, uh, Bona would, would have held Timmy to maybe somewhat under 36 points like he had, and, and they probably would have won. Yeah, I feel for Mick. I'm, I'm good friends with Mick. I, um, uh, I really tra uh, treasure our friendship. Um, and, and yeah, the, they lost a game last night that they probably would have won had those two kids, kids been healthy. Although, that said, they did go 11 minutes without a basket in the yeah. second half. And that was uh, reminiscent of some of Mick's early UC teams, right? Um, and they had way too much talent to go 11 minutes without scoring a basket. But that said, they, you know, the kids that you meant, the two players that missed the game probably would have impacted the game to such an extent that they would have won that game. But um, I don't feel too bad for Mick. He's, he loves life out there, man. He mm -hmm. loves that California lifestyle. He hangs out with Joe Pesci and smokes cigars at some club they belong to. Uh, his daughter loves it there. So I, I, in that respect, I don't feel terrible for, terrible yeah. for him, but I hope at some point um, he, he gets a ring. That would really be great. Yeah, no doubt about it. So now you shift gears. Uh, we do have a local team that's still alive, and that being uh, the Xavier Musketeers tonight against Texas. They've had an injury of their own, but they continue to play uh, very, very well. I thought they... You know, um, obviously they had the comeback against Kennesaw State. I thought they were helped tremendously by the officiating down in the closing seconds, but that's neither here nor there. Then they look great against a very average pit team. Tonight, a real test. What do you think? I don't know enough about Texas, Tom. I, I haven't seen Texas play all year. You know, I know that they had a good year in a very good league. Uh, I know they've had some big wins. Uh, beat Kansas twice already this month. They beat Gonzaga by 19 earlier this year. Uh, I, I think they have a better roster than Xavier. That doesn't really mean anything, as we've come to learn in this tournament especially. Um, it's, it's sort of a why not deal. You watch Florida Atlantic. You watch Princeton. 
I mean, in earlier years, we watched George Mason and Loyola and Butler get to the Final Four or the championship game twice. Uh, why not? Especially now. Um, I think it's a, it's, it's a legitimate question where maybe in the past it was wishful thinking. Can Xavier win a national title? No, they, they got to get to the Final Four first. They haven't done that yet, but that's possible. And after that, who knows? Um, I don't think they're going to win tonight. I think uh, if they had Fremantle, they probably would. Um, but I've been wrong a lot this tournament. So X fans, man, take heart. You know, if, if I don't pick them, they'll probably win. Well, I mean, I went 0 for 4 last night. And, I, and that's why I said in the opening of the show, that's why I thank God one of the very few vices I don't have is gambling. And so, uh, therefore, uh, I'm grateful I'm not a gambler. Do you have any teams left in your uh, original um, bracket? Do you have any final four teams left? Yeah. I got Gonzaga winning it all. Wow. I got them and I've got, uh, I've got Alabama. Those two are left, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not winning the pool or anything, but I did put a small wager on Gonzaga winning the national championship, which will pay off kind of handsomely if that happens. Well, I tell you what, as good as the game was last night against UCLA, I'm not so sure it might not even be a better game tomorrow the way UConn is playing right now. I mean, that is going to be a big league game. Yeah, 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 UConn is doing what UConn does this time of year, you know? Yeah. I thought they were I, I thought they were overrated coming into the tournament. Um, but they're playing now the same way they played earlier in the year when they were ranked as high as second. Yeah. Yeah, they got it's gonna be exciting. I assume you'll just be uh, boarded up watching basketball all weekend, Doc, or are you, you getting out and about in the rain. I saw the animals nah, lining up two by two around the corner here the other day, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm supposed to work at the golf course tomorrow morning, but I already got weathered out. I mean, it's been tough, man. Every time I'm trying, I'm supposed to work, it's raining or freezing. So, no, 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 uh, no cart barn tomorrow. I, I guess basketball at some point. Although I spent so much time on the couch last weekend, and I think I gained like five pounds. You know, <laughs> I ate all kinds of bad food. It really is as much. I love the tournament and watching the games. When, when that first weekend is done, you just feel like a blob, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I may have to rethink the viewing schedule, but I'll probably be there for most of it. All right. Well, you got time to sneak in a workout right now, Doc. I mean, you're off work. Uh, the games don't start till six something tonight. You got a little time now. Yeah. I gotta finish the morning line first. So you interrupt me when I'm on this show. I'm in the middle of writing great stuff, and then I totally lose my train of thought. So the first half of the morning line is great, and the second half stinks, and that's pretty much your fault. Okay. Well, uh, they get right in line uh, behind my wife for everything else being my fault. So it's <laughs> no big deal. The dog, the dogs love me though. I mean, they they, they love me, but you know, the wife. Eh. Yeah, they're so, not the smartest creatures around. You mean wives? <laughs> no dogs <laughs> okay all right okay well I, I don't know i might be going the other way but that's okay all right doc good luck with the ben.com right bet the ben.com all right check it out big league operator Thanks, i mean you know he talks about this show i mean uh, you put the damper on him all i know is that since he joined the show he's now got another gig lined up that's all i know that's what we do all right <laughs> 
All right, Doc, have a good weekend. Thanks, sir. All righty. Paul Doherty, kind enough to join us. I mean, it's true, though. Ever since he started coming on this program, now he's got this big league gig. He was doing the morning line, you know, like a lot of us kind of hanging out in our basements, you know, whatever it is we're doing, we're doing. And now he's got obligations. He's got a payday. All we do is propel careers. It really is amazing. <laughs> That's all we do here. We prop. We prop, prop people up. up. We're givers. Yes, we are. We are givers on this program. All right. Everybody wants to know, what are we thinking? Uh, what are we thinking about tonight? So we got Paul coming on at 1130. Uh, he's going to be part of our picks. Do we want to rehash some thoughts about last night's games? Um, or do we want to talk about Ezekiel Elliott? Hmm. And wait for Paul on the basketball front. I do, I do want to talk about one last thing about last night, which was just we didn't even talk about the, this, uh, this right here, Tom. Um, I, oh, yeah. This is just. I can't well, believe that. You know, now, if anybody it. was watching the game, and I was telling you guys this, my, you know, yeah. I'm sitting here with my son. He gets back from lacrosse practice last night. And, of course, the second he walks in the door, he's got he's, he's covered. He's soaking wet. He, all he cares is stripping everything down and watching <laughs> these games. Okay. Yeah. Well, the only game I really cared about watching last night was UCLA. Mm -hmm. you know, but uh, the Tennessee game had started earlier than the Gonzaga game. And so there was – like four minutes left in the game, and it was still very much a game, Tennessee against FA, uh, FAU. So if you were watching at home, and I was sharing with these guys because they were probably already watching the Gonzaga-UCLA game. We had flipped over um, just for a minute. God, was that game painful. Anyway, um, so what you just saw was a Tennessee player in a blatant, just, I mean, like a, like a heat-seeking missile. You could just watch that video. Let's put it up again. He is, he is eyeing this guy down, the big man, uh, for FAU because they've been banging all night long. Okay, and so he just zeroes in on him. And, and let's watch this again here real quick. This is not what we saw on the telecast initially, okay? So the Tennessee player... Right here, big guy in the middle, bam, just throws an elbow right in the chest of the big man for FAU. You notice right there, the game went on. Okay, there was no stoppage in play. None of the officials saw this, no nothing. So they go back down the other end, okay? And there is a play underneath the basket where two players get locked up, their arms uh, got locked up. And as they were falling to the ground, uh, a player hit the other player with an elbow uh, inadvertently in, in the face. So they stopped playing. And the announcers are all talking, and they're running the replay over and over of this exchange that occurred under the basket after they had gone to the other end of the floor. Gene Steratore comes on there. He says, I don't know why they're looking at this. There is nothing to this play. On and on and on. And as you've seen in the tournament, uh, and, and it really is a great thing that officials do now for all of us who are watching these games on television. One of the officials will walk over to the television commentators. And, you know, Jimmy Jackson was sitting there last night. 
uh, and he takes off his headset, and the official will explain to him what is going on here. Well, when the official comes over, he says to Jimmy Jackson, which Jimmy Jackson then shares with all of us, they're not looking at what happened on this play that we're seeing 15 replays of. They're going to be looking at a play that happened at the other end of the court. And that was this play. I don't know why the guy wasn't thrown out of the game. That, that's not basketball. I like, I like a little, little bump here and there. I like it getting physical. I think that's fun. I think that's all in the spirit of the game. But that play right there from Euros Plavsic, terrible. That, that, that's not basketball. And I'm with you, Tom. There's no, there's no room for that in the game. And you saw Kyle Flipikowski from Duke tweet something out about saying, like, yeah, I dealt with this for 40 minutes. And, and you watched the Duke-Tennessee game. It was yep. a very physical game. That's yep. why Duke couldn't hang with him, and that's Tennessee's M.O., but that's, that's not right. It's just, just straight up not right. Casey, did you watch it? That or you ha- just saw I, the highlight? I just saw the highlight of okay. it. But uh, I thought we should talk about it since we hadn't talked about it yet. And if you want to talk about Zeke Elliott now, we're, we're more than welcome to get into that discussion. When you asked me yesterday. Where's yeah. your crystal ball at, Tom? I told you where it was yesterday. <laughs> Why didn't you use it for I your I told picks? you this yesterday that if you, you asked me what I would do with the Bengals. I, no, I had asked you guys the question. Are the Bengals better today than they were at the end of last season when they lost to the Chiefs in the AFC Championship? I didn't ask if the Chiefs are better. Right. I asked if the Bengals are better. And we walked through. They're not better at safety. Now, they might end up being better at safety, but right. today they're not, okay? They're the same tired pass rush. Although I'm going to give Osai some, some room here because he showed he really came on strong. Forget the penalty. Kid, you know, I mean, it happened. Um, but I think he's got a chance to be a good pass rusher. And I'm not going to throw in the towel on Carter being a good pass rusher. I, I think they've got some, some guys that maybe, maybe um, – the offensive line is certainly significantly better. They uh, have questions at tight end. I mean, they don't have a guy at tight end. Okay, and, and what are they going to do in the running back room? So I said, for me, if I could get what I would do, if I know there are two areas where um, – we, we, we took a big hit being the Bengals would be a running back who can pass protect P Ryan's gone and a running back who is really good on short yardage, tough yards in the red zone. The Bengals said they want to be a better red zone rushing team and scoring touchdowns. Mixon is an excellent player. I really believe that. I, I, I don't think, there are 10 guys in a league all around that are a better running back than Mixon. Had he not missed the two or three games last year, he'd rush for over 1,000 yards again. Even though the Bengals were a great running team, he catches a ball out of the backfield. He's a very, very good player. Now, is he a $10 million a year player? Knowing no. the, the decisions you got to make? Maybe not. What I said was, if I could have a running back's room where they're right in the 10 to $12 million range, they being two of them, meaning you renegotiate Mixon's deal, 
Give him a chance, as Jane, James Rapine talked about here two days ago. Mixon wants to be here. He doesn't want to go anywhere. So spread it out. Sign him to a two-year deal. Renegotiate the thing where he ultimately gets his money in the long run if he produces. You put it in some incentives in there. And then I said, depending on what you could get Ezekiel Elliott for is what I would do. He answers your pass protection problem. He answers your short yardage problem. He still ran for almost 900 yards and 12 touchdowns last year. The guy is a gamer. Played through a serious knee injury two years ago, did not miss a down. And a guy still wants to compete. You guys laughed at me when I said Ezekiel Elliott yesterday. I, I don't... You laughed at me, and he wound up being in the news. Well, well go, ahead, go ahead. He put out his landing spot. I spots. understand that. But to, to be fair, like a few points here. Ezekiel Elliott, you mentioned that Bengals struggled in short short downs, right? Yes. In the red zone. In the red zone. I don't think that's a running back problem. I thought that was an offensive line Fair problem. Enough. I think when they, they fix the offensive line, things go forward, it'll be fine. Secondly, about Ezekiel Elliott, I'm, I'm of the, the mind that you should just draft guys. You should just draft running backs. I mean, if you got to get one veteran, get a veteran. If Ezekiel Elliott is cheap, then sure, you take a flyer on him. But if you're going to be paying, I mean, even over $4 million for Ezekiel Elliott, Forget about it. You can get somebody else for probably just as good. I think running backs are a dime of a dozen. Um, I see Everett Henry in the chat going off right now, and I actually like to tweet from him. So this conversation about are the Bengals worse now than they were um, when the season ended, and Everett threw out a, a really, really fun tweet that he said, you know, people were like, what have the Bengals done to address the reasons why they haven't won a Super Bowl yet, which was the offensive line and stuff like that. Well, then they signed Orlando Brown. And then people are like, well, are the Bengals worse now? It seems like the goalposts are moving a little bit when we talk about this Bengals roster. And I just want to see some more things, you know, more a few more dominoes fall before we, we truly think and talk about whether the Bengals are worse or better. I think they are without a doubt better at this very point. This, this you time think they're better? Yes. Because the offensive line was, without a doubt, their most egregious problem. And they got Orlando Brown, the biggest free agent, tackle that could become available and we got him you keep nine up we're gonna win some ball games casey um so the few things that come to mind with this ezekiel elliott potentially whether or not it was him just addressing who he wants to go to or if there's actually some validity to the Bengals having interest in him right i'll tell you some things that Probably aren't that shocking, but in terms of yards after contact, Mixon and, and Zeke are exactly the same. If you look at their season stats from last year, they're the exact same in breakaway percentage. Yeah, they're like the they're exact, not a home run hitter. They are the exact same type of player, and maybe you you could argue with me that Dallas has a better offensive line, so. You know, there's it's, there's not a one-for-one one there. But Zeke is a much better – I looked at the, the, the statistics. He is literally in line with Samaj P. Ryan when it comes to pass blocking. Yes. And he might even be better. That's exactly right. Because he's done right. it for a longer time and he's had starting snaps. It's not like he was just 
the third string running back or second no, string. No, but his back. role has been reduced the last two years to right. Pollard. Yeah. But he's always been a great pass blocking running back. And if you get the way I look at it is we don't know what his money is. That's right. And we if don't. he's right. willing to accept a reduced role like a Samaj Pirine role, that's almost a no brainer to in my in my mind. But even so, I'd make the argument that if you do sign Elliot, and a lot of people aren't gonna like this, especially the people that love Mixon, mm. it makes a whole lot more sense now to cut Mixon and you pretty much have the exact same player in Ezekiel Elliott. Statistically. That's an speaking. interesting take. And you could go get a, a guy in the third round, second round, or whatever you, wanna, whatever you want to do. See, Casey, that's why you're, you're the star of the show. <laughs> but I, I mean, that, that's a fascinating. It's a fascinating and a, and a perfectly logical, legitimate take on that. And I just, I, I don't know. I think you're, you don't have to spend a whole lot of money to get Elliot. He's already been in a reduced role. He's already 27, 28. I don't, I don't yep, quite 27. know. 27. 27. He's not going to cost you a lot. So I just, I think it makes sense. Um, you save $10 million if you cut Mixon after June 1st, I think. Yep. So you've got the salary there for him, at least. He's not going to cost more than, you, it wouldn't make sense if he cost more than $5 million for the season. And I don't think you would get him more than a season or two. So, you you trade Jonah Williams, you cut Joe Mixon. How much money are you saving? That right there is about if if you're not taking any other salaries and you cut Joe Mixon after June first, it's twenty two million dollars, hmm. almost twenty three. Healthy chunk of change. That's a lot of money. But you say that, and and while that is certainly true, uh, that free money with with that late in the process is not going to get you anybody. All the good guys are gone. I think what it does is just it frees you up some yeah. money. What you want to do with Burrow and Higgins and that crew, but it's doing yeah. nothing for you June first. No, but I think that's why you you spend to the cap, like Duke said, and he's. I don't want to say I, I I'm happy with the Orlando Brown signing, but I really do think, in terms of everything else, he might have fumbled the bag this off season just a little bit, not a lot. He, he's he's bobbling the ball right now. But it, it looks like he might be dropping the ball, uh, at least in free agency, because we have around $17 million in cap, potential to have another 22 and you can't get a tight end. You can't get a running back. I mean, I don't know. I just Well, I, I'll tell you, you right now, and I'm on record as saying this already. Um. And a lot of people are going to go off the reservation when I say this, and then we're shifting gears to college basketball for the rest of the program. I'm going to tell you right now. I want to hear what people are going to offer me for T. Higgins. That's all I'm telling you. I, listen, I, I'm going to I listen. I'm going to really listen. Not this year. I'm talking about at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. This year, you're all in, right? Spend to the max. Figure it out. Try to win the whole thing. After that, I looked at what the Chiefs did with their wide receiving core. You can win without having two great superstar receivers. You know what I'm saying? Especially if the line is fixed 
or improve. That's exactly right. I'm always of the, the mind that you should listen to people if they want to call you and, and argue. That always becomes a, a talk on sports talk show when, you know, a baseball player or a basketball player, like, we're open to hearing offers for so-and-so. It's like, you should always be open to hearing offers. I mean, if they trade you some up, if they offer you some crazy deal, then you've got to say yes. I mean, there, even Joe Burrow, there's, there's a price for Joe Burrow. There's a price for all of them. There's, a, there's always a price. I don't think you'd listen to Burrow, but I know what you're saying. I, I, I know what you – but Higgins, you got to – I know people in the chat are going crazy. I knew they would when I said it. I didn't say it to make you guys crazy. But I'm just saying, I, I love Higgins. I love the player he is. I love the guy he seems to be. His mom seems really cool. He's a great player. Mm-hmm. But if somebody came to you and they offered you A, B, C – Right? Two first-round draft picks and a stud player. Stud. Not some stiff. Not some middle-of-the-road guy. Stud. Right? Right. I mean, say the 49ers came along and they offered you Kittle and two first-round draft picks. You making that deal? Hell yeah, you're making that deal. Damn good deal, Tom. Call my old buddy John Lynch. Get him on the phone. GM. Niners. (laughs) All right. Apparently, um, after stumbling around, Lord knows what he did last night in Kansas City. After stumbling around, he has uh, made it to his computer. Still got that beautiful painting and that big league Marriott he's staying in. Uh, (laughs) Is uh, is Paul (laughs) Frischner. Paul, what did you do last night? Tell the truth. What did you do last night? You watched basketball. Where did you watch it? And then what did you do? Because you got the hour time difference thing. So it was only 11.20 when that UCLA game ended. That's exactly right, Tom. Yeah, so we're my hotel is right across the street from the uh, Power and Light District, if you know Kansas City. We're right across the street from that, so we can just walk two blocks and, and we're there. So we were all over at, uh, we were all over at the bars watching the games for all four games. It was incredible. All the games were great. I mean, UConn game was a blowout, but other than that, great games. And uh, it was a fun night. Yeah. Once we got the work done, it was, a, it was a fun night. All right. So um, what stands out for you last night? I mean, we've talked a lot about, you know, the UCLA game. They had the other kid that was injured to go along with Clark. It looked like they were in full command of the game. Then they go 10, 11 minutes without scoring a field goal. I, I, I thought that uh, Tiger Campbell and Hawkes were just completely – I mean, they, they, they were worn out. They were paying basically every second of the game because they were so thin on that bench. Uh, but another classic ending to the Zags v. UCLA. Oh, it was incredible. And you just kept getting the sense that at some point the Jalen Clark injury was going to catch up to UCLA, that eventually they weren't going to be able to overcome it. But even still, with the way this game was going back and forth the whole way, and I I just – the last play, I just can't get over it. John Fanta tweeted out after the game. He talked to Mark Few, and and Mark Few said, we literally – we practiced that play. We call it the Jay Wright because that's exactly what Villanova did to win the 2016 national championship. Archie Diacono handing it back to Chris Jenkins. A lot of teams have have copied that style. A lot of teams run that now. And that's exactly what Gonzaga did last night to get that shot to open it up. What a game. Back and forth. Kevin Harlan on the call. I mean, that that is college basketball at its peak. Um, What a a game. What a game. 
Uh, you've been talking about, Reed has too, about UConn all year long. Uh, if you just went on the four games last night, and of course we don't, it means nothing when you tee them up in UConn's case again tomorrow night against Gonzaga. Uh, but as far as the, uh, the opening four games of the Sweet 16, they look to be by far the best team to me. Well, I'll, I'll ask this question to you, Tom, that somebody asked me yesterday. Is Connecticut, out of conference, the greatest college basketball team of all time? You tell me. You're the one who follows this stuff all the time. I go to bed I at mean, night. The rest of you guys are up all night <laughs> drinking beer and watching basketball. Yeah, I mean, UConn doesn't have a non-conference loss this year. Every loss that they took this year came in the Big East. They do not have a non-conference loss. They are slicing and dicing these teams. They are making these games look uncompetitive. Um, if you think back to uh, that Villanova national championship run in 2018 where they won, I think, every game by 15-plus points, double digits at least, but it might have been 15-plus. And uh, uh, it just felt like it was – you know, <laughs> Reed, you're really screwing me up here, man. <laughs> Reed, you're, <laughs> you're really doing it today. You're really doing it today, Reed. That's good. Why? What the hell is going on? There's no inside jokes on off the bench. Tom, I every time I don't know if you can if you can read the lower thirds, but I've just been peppering jokes at, at Paul. Every time he comes on, I don't know if you see him giggling, but my goal is when he comes on is to break break character uh, for Paul, and I'm I'm successful good. thus far. It's Back good. to the point, Paul. Uh, yes, no, UConn out of conference has just been incredible. And it it just, it it, it again goes back to what I've talked about so much where you play this 20 game round robin schedule and and it almost makes you wonder if there was something going on in that UConn locker room. And we we were talking about that earlier today too. It it almost feels like maybe something was happening. Uh, I don't know that threw them off because between that Xavier loss that UConn took on New Year's Eve and then the next Xavier loss, they look broken. They look like a different team. And now they're rolling through these teams without competition. Yeah, you're right. All right, uh, let's go through our games from last night, and then we will do our picks tonight. And inside of those picks tonight, we will get uh, your thoughts of Xavier v. Texas since you're in Kansas City with your Xavier Musketeers. Look at Sir Boy Wonder. Big League Paul, that's him. BLP. Big League Paul rubbing elbows with all the big wigs last week in Greensboro from the NCAA, hanging out with all his boys from Xavier now. Mm. You know, I mean, Paul gets interviews with Sean Miller. We can't get him here on off the bench with Sean Miller. (laughs) I know. We've had Darren Horn and Wes Miller, but we can't get Sean Miller. It just goes back to we propel people. We're propelling Paul to get interviews with Sean Miller even though we can't get him. That's exactly right. All right, Casey, where are we starting? Let's go. San Diego State versus Alabama. All right, uh, this is a seven-and-a-half-point spread. Wow. I am taking the Crimson Tide of Alabama. Case? And by the way, before we go any further, as I said earlier, but for those of you that missed it, whoever I pick, bet against him. 0-4 last night. Yeah, wait. Yeah, I was going to say, did we go over the records from last night? Well, I, I, I said I was 0-4, and, and I'm very comfortable admitting when I stink, which is frequently. Well, oh, what were you guys I mean, I, last night? What were you, Paul? Were you 4-0? I went 4-0, baby. How about Man. that? I went Casey? Two and two. I went 2-2. Two and two, so. Reed? 1-3. Wow. I'm with, I'm with you, Tom. No, not you're s- not, no, because you at least have a 1 there. 
I did get on the board. That's right. Unlike so the there's Reds. nothing. That's, that's that California stuff again, Reed. It's rubbing off on you. Oh, no. There's a big difference between one and none. All right, whether it's wins or losses. All right, I got Alabama tonight, seven and a half. I don't like that number much, but I like Alabama. Paul, I mean, Casey, what are you doing? <laughs> well, I know that you went 0 for 4, but, Tom, I just don't care. Alabama's too good. Um, Brandon Miller's really something else. Um, I just don't think San Diego State has a guy that can stop him. So, picking Alabama. All right, Paul. Uh, the one thing that I am going to pick Alabama here, the one thing that concerns me is that San Diego State kind of gets into a pace game where they slow it down and it ends up not being like a, you know, one of those possession type games you get down and it, it ends up being a little closer, maybe on a backdoor yeah. cover. But I but I think Alabama uh, wins this game comfortably. Reed? Roll damn tide. All right, we're across the board yeah. with the Crimson Tide of Alabama. Next up. Next up. Miami. V. Houston, that's Houston. a seven-and-a-half-point no, uh, line. I don't like that number. I don't like the number. I like Houston to win, but I'm taking the points and the fighting Jim Laranegas. <laughs> I agree with you, Tom. I think this is way too big. I think Houston keeps games really close. This is too much of an offensive team for, for this to be a seven-and-a-half-point spread. I like Miami in this one. Paulie? Hurricanes, baby! I oh really do. God. I think the board. Wow. I, I, I think uh, maybe the maybe the only team nationally this week that is getting talked about less than Xavier is Miami, and I think Miami. I haven't seen one person talk about Miami this week. Uh, I'm all over the Hurricanes in this game. You don't think they're gonna win, do you? I think they got a shot. I think they have a legitimate shot. Well, I know shot they got a shot. Game. They're throwing the ball well, up in the air mid court tonight. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You, you, the way this game's being talked about, you'd think they don't have a shot. But Miami has some dudes, man, and they have a really good coach on the sideline in Jim Laranega. They were just in the Elite Eight last year. Why not two years in a row? Okay. Hurricanes. All right. All right. All right. Reed. Listen, what, what Miami has done to my beloved Hoosiers this week between Jim Laranega and the Cavender Twins, both boys and girls, beat them in 24 hours. I own one. Give me the Cougs tonight. Give me the Cougars. <laughs> Cougars are going to win that game. They're going to win by eight. Yeah. Money line, they're going to they're, – and you think they're going to cover. Oh, yeah. All right, one more to go tonight. And uh, here we go. We got two more to go tonight. Two more to go. Forgive more. me. We go to Princeton v. Creighton. Blue Jays favored by – is that 10? By 10. 10. Yeah. By 10. Then I'm taking the, uh, the fighting Princeton Tigers. I think they keep it close. I, I love the Cinderella story. I love him a lot. But Creighton is, Creighton statistically, and their efficiency ratings, they're just really good. I know they didn't have show that in the records, but they're going to take care of a team that should have been done from the very beginning. Give me Creighton. Pop. Blue Jays by a million in this game. You give Greg McDermott a few days to prepare, I'm taking Creighton. Okay. Reed. I'm with Creighton Blue Jays as well. Okay. I'm the lone. You're not a believer in the Blue Jays. The lone man. I'm not. I think that they've caught a break. They're, hey, look. They, they're winning. I'm not going to say anything bad about it. Move on. And then last but not least. Now, before we do this pick, let, let, let's get the, the, this off the screen real quick. Okay. And, Paul, let's get into this matchup a little bit. We've been talking about it. Xavier v. Texas. 
Okay, we're going to put up some numbers here, and, and this is a lot to digest. So we're going to let everybody kind of take a look at some of this stuff. And, Paul, hopefully on your screen, um, yeah, if your eyes aren't too blurry uh, at this point in time after last night, uh, if you're able to actually read this morning, which, hey, listen, I, I've been with you. Um, you know, you look at, at these teams, you look at their strength of schedule, okay? You, know, you got their pace of play, all those things. There's a lot of stuff here that to me doesn't mean anything. Is there anything as you're going through this that to you, Paul, stands out? There's a lot there now. I understand. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things here that I'm really looking at for tonight. One is the turnover percentage there in the middle. I Xavier has to take care of the basketball tonight because what Texas wants to do is they want to turn you over and they want to get out and transition and try and score. Xavier has to take care of the basketball tonight. They can't. So have that's a line turnovers. down there in the one, two, three, fourth column that it says turnover percentage. Uh, where Xavier ranks 106th and Texas is 20. Am I reading the right line? Yep, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Xavier has to has to take care of the basketball tonight. Absolutely has to take care of the basketball tonight. All right, well, go down to defense v. offense here, okay? Um, there, there are some really high numbers there uh, on Xavier defensively, and we've talked about them here this season, right? Um, those numbers worry you, or their defense is probably much better. Uh, they're not necessarily a better team, but they played better defense since Fremantle went down. So is that kind of uh, a bit misleading or, or concerning? I mean, I, I think that Xavier's defensive effort tonight is going to rely a lot on how well they stay out of foul trouble and, again, what they can do against these Texas guards because Xavier is going to have an edge on the inside. If Xavier wins this game tonight, it probably means that Colby Jones played one of the best defensive games of his career, and it also probably means that Jack Nungy had maybe the best game of his collegiate career. They're going to need Jack Nungy to be at an all-time level tonight because he has the height advantage, he has the size advantage down in the post. If he can stay out of foul trouble and score as easily as they need him to, then uh, then it'll be a good night for Xavier. Xavier, this is not a game to me, Tom, where um, Xavier needs a million things to go right. I, I mentioned this the other day. It, this is not a game where I feel like Xavier needs a million things to go right and then they have to play a good game and just hope the ball bounces their way. Xavier is very much good enough to win this game, um, but they need Jack Nungy, they need Colby Jones to be playing at a level that they that they absolutely have to play at, at a very high level. Well, the, the rebounding numbers are staggering. Uh, you, you're right. It's where Xavier has had uh, a huge advantage over this Texas team over the course of the year. And look, you know, we talked about uh, Jalen Clark and then the big guy uh, for UCLA who was going to guard Timmy last night. UCLA is normally a team that's going to – they're going to out-rebound you. They're going to out-tough you. They got blown out of the gym last night uh, in the rebounding numbers. The last check I saw was like a 20-plus spread. Uh, those two guys we brought up earlier combined were averaging 21 points and almost 14 rebounds a game. Now, all of a sudden, you take them out. Um, and that, that, on paper, could be uh, in a tight game, the difference in the game. Who rebounds the ball better? Casey, you have any thoughts on this oh, game before we get oh, to ahead. our picks? Go ahead. No, go ahead, Paul. 
Well, I, I think you make a great point. I think it's turnovers, it's the pace of play, and it's rebounding. Those are the three big things tonight. Texas has the depth. They go eight or nine guys deep. Xavier, obviously, we know six or seven guys deep. But um, I, even beyond that, uh, these are two of the most experienced teams left in this tournament. I mean, you're talking about old transfers, guys that have been around the college game for a long time. Um, they, Xavier might not have the NCAA tournament experience necessarily, but they have played a lot of college basketball games. And the other thing, too, tonight that I'm just kind of looking at, I have a feeling the crowd, you know, the neutrals and everybody, yep. they're all, it's, it's going to be a Xavier crowd tonight, especially because Houston's playing that first game. If, if Houston wins that game, I, I have a feeling, or really either way, that it's going to be a Xavier crowd tonight. So either way, um, I, I think it'll be a good environment for Xavier, and they just got to go out and try and win the game. All right. I'm surprised to, uh, to hear you say that about the crowd because it's Big 12 country, right? I mean, Kansas it is, City's it Big is, 12 but- country. I mean, it's where they play the, the, the Big 12 tournament every year. It's a home game for Kansas. Uh, and I don't know anybody in Kansas City that's rooting for anybody from Cincinnati. You know, it's funny. I was, we were at a bar last night. We were at a bar last night. Of course you were. And and, uh, the table, (laughs) the table next to us, there was a a family of four and the mom came up to us and goes, we booked this, uh, we booked this trip here to Kansas City a year in advance just to come and watch the games. Didn't know the teams that were going to be that were in it. But we're all here. We picked a team, and we're all Xavier fans. And we encountered probably three more of those all through. They were like, we just came here to watch games, and we all want to see the Musketeers win. So, you know what? That. Small sample size, but maybe there's 10,000 more of those. All right. Well, you never know. All right, here we go. Time to pick them. Time to pick them. Time to pick the game. Uh, this is a four-and-a-half number. Uh, to me, that's too big. I'm taking the fighting Muskies from Xavier. Oh! Right on Victory Parkway. Whoa! Wow. Surprising. Um, Tom, I just, you know, I was looking at the stats on that table and I'm not feeling very confident about my pick anymore because I feel like Nunji, if he has a good enough game, they're going to be able to control, rebound, and if Boom plays, you know, he doesn't even need to play a great game. He just needs to play half as good as he's been. Or not no, as, he better as, play as, twice as, as good as he's been. Because yeah. mm. he has stunk it up the first two games of the tournament. Yeah, he better somewhat, be twice as good. Uh, somewhat misspoke. What I'm trying to say is if Boom plays to his potential, he doesn't even, even need to play to his potential. He just needs to play average, and they can win this ball game. But... On my bracket, I got Texas, so I'm taking Texas. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Uh, Paul, uh, probably a stupid question here, but that's a fine. I was going with the number here. Okay. Go ahead. Tom, the way that this betting line has set up all week, I mean, I think it's like 90% of the money is on Texas, maybe 65, 66, even more so. Um, there with the bets being on on Texas, everybody in the world is on Texas. The I, I've I have seen one one person, one media member, Matt Norlander, was the only person I've seen that has picked Xavier. Every graphic everywhere you see has picked Texas. I'm rolling with Xavier here. I think they cover this game, and uh, maybe it's blind optimism. 
but I'm I I truly believe that they can get this done tonight. Hey, as your guy Obama once said, you got to have hope, <laughs> right? So go ahead. It's my guy, Reed. It's my guy. Yeah, you're all your guy. That's uh, Reed's guy. That's, that's Reed's my guy. guy. Listen. Yeah. Who are you picking, Reed? <laughs> Horns down, baby. X is gonna win this one. Horns down. So you're betting money line. You're taking the four and a half, but you're saying X is going to win the game. Spread, money line, it don't matter. This is a f- great financial opportunity. I mean, you just throw money at Xavier and you'll, you'll just get, you'll get returns right away. Did yes or no, did you win, well, win or lose money last night? Oh, lost, lost money, Tom. That's why we got to get it back. All right, here we go. Being responsible. Got to double down. Yes. All right, now very quickly before we let Paul go, uh, Casey, we're going to do tonight, tomorrow's games real quick. Yes, we can't do Sunday, obviously. So we're going to do tomorrow. That's right. Player formerly known as Mouse Cop. Got to have hope. That's right. Here we go. Florida Atlantic is only a one and a half point dog to the Kansas State Wildcats. Wildcats march on to the final four. Yeah, I'm feeling the same way, Tom. In my initial bracket, I don't know if you all remember, I had Kansas State in the final four as well. And I just happened to be the the idiot to fall for Duke. So I got Kansas State winning in this one. I think the magical ride for FAU is over. Tell you what, they're pretty good, though. The more, you know, I haven't watched them all year. I know Paul stays up till all hours of the nights when they're playing out in Montana watching FAU, whatever it might be when they travel across the country. Tell you, that's a rugged team, man. Well coached. Guy's done a hell of a job. Paul, what do you think? This line scares me. I Kansas State at minus one and a half against this FAU team that is so talented. But there's just something special about what Jerome Tang is doing in year one out there at Kansas State. So I'm going to take the Wildcats. Reed? That, I'm with Paul. That line is absolutely terrifying. Only one and a half points for this game. You don't win 30 games without being a fantastic basketball team. FAU is going to the Elite Eight. But I desperately need K-State to win this game. I have a future that no seven seed or higher will make the final four. And they're the, they're the final test, the final domino that has to fall. So give me K-State in this one. Coach May makes $540,000 a year. He went up against Rick Barnes, who makes $5.5 million last night. Hmm. Just FYI. This, uh, if we thought UCLA-Gonzaga was going to be the game, uh, this might be even better. You have UConn as a two-point favorite against the Zags. I'm starting to believe. I have hope. All these years later, after your guy Obama, I have hope. All these years later, in the Zags, this is their year to do it, Casey. I'm going with Gonzaga. Well... If I believe in UConn at all, this is an outer, outer conference game. They're going to handle business. Two points, that's easy for them. I like UConn. Paul, I know where you're going here. You've been on them all Huskies. year long. Yep. Huskies. Yeah, Huskies all the way. I, I think this UConn team might win the national championship the way they're playing right now. Can't argue with that. I can't argue with that. And uh, Mr. Mouse. Uh, give me the Huskies as well. Tom, you keep bringing up Barry O. You kind of talk like Barry O. Kind of similar cadence. Like, who? Barry O, Barack Obama. You kind of you have a similar Barry. cadence. To- Barry yeah. O. This is, this is, this I is- can assure you, uh, we have very little in common. Barry O, you talk. Very, just- very little. 
Very, very... De- Although we both believe in hope. You got to have hope. Got to have hope. Got to have hope. Oh, may not like the change, but you got to have hope. And Lord knows, do we need change. <laughs> I'm actually very much in step now with your guy, Obama, now. Because, boy, do we need change. All right, Paul, uh, we wish you nothing but the best, my friend. Godspeed uh, in your... So, I mean, look. Look. That's a 945 tip, 845 local. I mean, you know, if I wasn't going on spring break tomorrow with our son uh, for his senior year, I got to tell you, I might just catch a flight up to Kansas City to hang with you tonight if, uh, if the Xavier Musketeers win because you got tomorrow off. That, those I, are the things you dream you about when, when you're on the road, right? I'll tell you one thing. If, if Xavier gets it done tonight, it, it'll, be, uh, it'll be a late night, but it'll be a fun night. We've got a lot of work that, that'll have to get done tonight and then practice day tomorrow. But if they get it done tonight, it'll be, uh, it'll be a good weekend. Have you hit up the Ameristar yet? I passed it, Ooh. but I have not hit it up yet. There has been there have been rumblings, Reed, about tomorrow, depending Ooh. on the results of tonight's game. We owe them one. Well, All right. So I've heard. All right. They owe. Yeah. Sir Boy Wonder All says, right, Tom. Paul, you and I are on a run on a ticket together in 2024. How about that? <laughs> Free beer for about everybody. That? Free beer for everybody. All right, um, Casey, do we have – Paul, thanks, man. Thanks for being with us. Have fun tonight. Thank you, Tom. All right, Thank buddy. You. Paul Fritchner, kind enough to join us from Kansas City. I can't believe you guys don't know that song. Everything's up to date in Kansas City. You don't know that song? I, I'm a very cultured person, but I don't know that song. That is from the musical Oklahoma. Mm. Never have seen Oklahoma, obviously. Solid. They're better, but solid. Solid. All right. Um, boy, they get some good songs in that musical, though. All right, Casey, do we have a cherry on top? Because we have box lunch coming up today, correct? Correct. Yep. And Trace we, Fowler's in the house today. We do have a cherry on top today. And I want to ask, well, Trace is going to do it in the show, so I don't want to give it away on our show. All right, here we go. I think you'll notice this clip right away. Yes, I know. where this. Is this the anniversary of this? This is the anniversary of Randy Johnson throwing the fastball and hitting this poor little bird. Yeah. I was not doing this game. I've been asked about that thousands of times. It was a spring training game down in uh, Tucson, Arizona. Mm-hmm. I was not doing that game. That bothered Randy Johnson for a long time. He's a big animal guy. He's a photographer now. Oh, he's everything. You can't, you know, the, the guy never used to talk much. I mean, you, you get him in a one-on-one conversation. He's a smart guy and all that stuff. But now they tell me you can't get him to shut up. Really? Comes to all the Diamondbacks games, pops in a TV booth all the time. Five. Once you get him cranked up, off he goes. Five Cy Youngs. Yeah, pretty good. That's pretty good. Pretty good. First four years, you're in Arizona, right? I mean, the most amazing thing, I, 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 the most amazing half of a season I've ever seen any player have, and I have to go back and look at the numbers. But Schilling had come on board, and in the first half of the season, Schilling had won like 14 games, led the league in everything, and Randy had already won two or three Cy Youngs in a, in a row. So now this competitive thing gets going, right, mm-hmm. with Johnson. Everybody's saying Schilling's going to be the first 25-game winner in baseball since I think it was Bob Welch with the A's back in the early 90s. 
Um, the second half of that season, Johnson went something like 14-1 and one with like a 1.1 ERA mm. and won the Cy Young. Yeah, not bad. You don't see guys like that anymore. I mean, Ver- Verlander and those guys can't carry those guys jock. Um, all right. You ready to go, big boy? I was born ready, Tom. So Did you win or lose money last night? You know, you're not going to believe this. <clears throat> and my wife actually didn't believe it either. I decided to cash out a good amount of my winnings. And I've decided to watch as a fan for probably the next few weeks. Although, um, always and although. Yeah. Houston and uh, San Diego State are really trying to draw me back in tonight. But I, I'm just it's, – it's actually enjoyable – uh, to watch without money on the game. Really? Yeah, I think it changes your dynamic when you're watching a game with money on it, for sure. Without, well, it's not even a question. It, it's there's no doubt about it because you have a rooting interest in one side, so you you develop this fandom um, for one side, right? And instead of just sitting back, relaxing, and taking it in for what it is, I watched both of those games. The, the Michigan State game last night. Um, and then, well, I should, I guess I should call it Kansas State game since I won. And then also the Gonzaga UCLA game. And I just took it in. It was great. It was fantastic. Yeah. Those are two unbelievable basketball games. Reed, are you um, taking heed to that philosophy? God, no, Tom. We've got, we've got 11 college basketball games left that we can bet on. So, four of them with Xavier, right? Four of them are Xavier games. You're right. That's right. You're catching on, Tom. I'm catching on. <laughs> hey, I, I took them tonight. Yes, you did. I, that was the kiss of death. I know what you were doing, Tom. You said every no. every every pick I make, bet the opposite. That doesn't mean I took Xavier. Xavier because I don't think they're going to win. But I don't like four and a half. I think it's going to be a close one. I do. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a tight one. Although you couldn't get any tighter than Michigan State and, uh, right. and Kansas State last night. And that lay-in at the buzzer. What was the spread in that game? One. Michigan State was okay, favored. Okay, all right. Well, then it didn't matter. But you know what I'm getting at here. Right. Oh, yeah. Could you right. imagine if that was the four-and-a-half-point spread tonight? Sure. Yeah. And that last – rather than just dribbling in the corner and throw the ball in the air, the guy goes to the rack. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Okay. Casey? Yep. Have a great weekend, my man. If you Casey was fun, he'd Thank play that everything. song that you keep talking about. What's that? If Casey was fun, he'd play that song that you keep talking about. You mean from Oklahoma. But, but I'm sure there'd be a copyright involved. Yeah, you can't do that. Can't do that. That might have been Rodgers and Hammerstein. We might have to owe them money, even though they've been dead for 50 years. You never know. I feel like that's getting close to the borderline of the year mark of uh, when you're allowed right. to play songs by people Yeah, but somebody's died. bought it right by now. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But, like, there is, like, this 75-year thing. I don't know exactly what number it is. but Speaking of that, uh, Mickey Mouse is almost going to be done being copyrighted. So that's going to be open game. That'll be fun to see what Seriously? Uh, yeah. Like, the Mickey, Mickey Mouse will no Well, there's all kinds of versions now of Mickey Mouse. So... You know, who knows? Sure. Right? Who knows? All right. Reed, thanks. Been a pleasure having you the last couple days. Had a lot of fun. Been had a lot of fun. Had a lot of fun. And we uh, we, we, we were able to whet your appetite with a lot of baseball talk today. It was fun. Which was nice. I appreciated that. All right. Uh, I will not be here next week. And uh, so the boys are going to hold down the fort. Be back the week after that, which will bring us a step closer uh, to the NFL draft, which uh, Casey and I have already talked about a number of things. We're going to try to start lining up some people uh, from different uh, towns and, and how they think it's going to go, especially zero in on the AFC North. 
A lot of chatter about Casey's Browns. I saw today where a lot of people think they're among the top two or three most improved teams in the NFL. Aren't they always? (laughs) That's a good answer, Case. We'll leave you with that. God bless everybody. Have a great weekend, and we'll, uh, we'll see you sometime soon. It's time now for Vox Lunch. Here we go.